Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to OK Fake, your source for the best and wackiest talk of pro wrestling. And now, someone who thinks he's over. Here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fake. Man, what a mark. What is going on, everybody? This is yours truly, Connor, a.k.a. OK Fave here. Welcome, everyone, to a classic pay-per-view review. Yes, we're bringing these back in droves, and it's been a hot minute, but a lot of people have been asking about these, and, of course, love to do these for you awesome people, and, of course, all you awesome patrons out there. If you guys are listening to this over on Patreon, if you are a silver member or above, you get these advanced more than anybody else. Well, you get them early, basically, a week about it. About a week or so in advance. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but it's Royal Rumble season. As of this recording, it is coming up the 2020 holy crap 2020 royal rumble is coming at you this sunday we will have some previous picks and predictions of course also the random wrestling podcast all that fun stuff but more importantly guess what yeah that's right we're going to talk some classic royal rumble this one i chose well rather you guys chose over on patreon it is the 1999 Royal Rumble 1 that is of course has the tagline no chance in hell now again forgive me I'm still testing out this somewhat new microphone so if this is not quite up to standards and up to snuff I forget I beg for your forgiveness in advance but of course you guys can let me know that in the comments below and of course let me know any fun facts that you guys might remember from the show anything at all I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and of course if you guys want to know what the next one's going to be or vote for the next classic pay-per-view review patreon's where it's at patreon.com slash okay but enough about the self-promotional hit jibber-jabber. Let's get into the actual show itself. So, of course, we're talking Royal Rumble 1999 taking place from the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California. 14,816 in attendance with a 650,000 buy rate, which is a huge jump from the 351,000 buy rate it did the year prior. Now, of course, the big hype for this particular pay-per-view is not only it's a new year, but it's the same old good old classic rivalry of Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And I'm telling you, there's some big hype going into this with Vince's obsession to make sure that Austin does not win the Rumble or become the WWF champion, which has kind of been his motif this entire time. He That's pretty much was the Austin-McMahon rivalry was Vince did everything in his power to make sure that, well, Austin didn't become the face of the company again. Now, granted, he became the champion at WrestleMania the year prior and lost it in that weirdo, bizarre triple threat match with Undertaker and Kane. But lo and behold, mon frere, it's a new year and a new chance for Stone Cold to get in. But Vince is, of course, stacking the deck. And there's a couple of things about this. Well, first and foremost, they did announce that not only is Stone Cold entering the Rumble at number one, but Vince McMahon is also going to be entering the Rumble at number two. And trust me when I say that this ties, if you don't know how this pay-per-view turns out, or this match, I should say... That's a, a little special something that I really like that plays into the match later, which we'll talk about once we get to the actual uh, the actual match. I also like the opening video package briefly explaining what's going on, feeling like we don't I don't feel like we get those as often as we as we do now, or at least not kind of explaining things. Like if you were to watch a pay-per-view 
in current times right now and get an idea of like, okay, you know, I have little to no knowledge of what's going on going into this. I don't feel like they do a good enough job building up to this, but this particular one, I jumped in the Rumble. It was pretty self-explanatory. Austin, or Vince wants Austin out of the Rumble. He doesn't want him as champion. Boom. Love it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, again, granted, it doesn't really showcase anyone else very well, but in this case, it doesn't really need to. I mean, yeah, they could have done more with Foley and Rock, but they do a good job with the promo video going into that match. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, now, Cole and Lawler, of course, are calling the action, of course, recapping the Vince-Austin rivalry, as well as another interesting little note that Vince McMahon has also put out a bounty in this Royal Rumble match. If anyone eliminates Stone Cold Steve Austin, they get $100,000 on top of, well, if they win or lose the Rumble. And personally, I love this idea. It creates a unique situation and reason for people to gun after Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it's not just the idea of you not only get a chance to win and get to main event WrestleMania, but you have an opportunity to also cash in and really kind of stack the deck against Austin. I just, you know, it's a bounty, and I'm sure this isn't, and I know this isn't the last time we're going to see a bounty being used in wrestling, but truthfully, I still really like this idea, and of course, they also mentioned on commentary that this will be the first time that a woman enters the Royal Rumble, of course, we're talking the late, great, now Hall of Fame, China. And she will be entering the Royal Rumble later on at number 30. But let's talk about the matches themselves. First off, we had Big Boss Man against Road Dog in a singles matchup. And this one actually was a very interesting little tidbit. Of course, Road Dog representing D-Generation X and uh, Big Boss Man representing the corporation. Now, at the time, Road Dog was the hardcore champion and Big Boss Man one half of the tag team champions. Now, the interesting thing about this one is that neither championship was obviously on the line, but Road Dog was kind of on a hot streak lately as far as being, well, the great hardcore champion that he was. And what was an interesting little note is that the corporation specifically made this match, at least they mentioned it alluded at times, numerous times on commentary, was that this matchup was specifically not a hardcore match and the hardcore title was not on the line. So the idea and the implication being that Road Dog could really only hold his own if it was a hardcore match scenario. Like, that was kind of his specialty, which is funny to me because Road Dog is a former Intercontinental Champion, but... That's neither here nor there. So basically, they played it out very well as the big boss man utilizing his power and strength to take on the mean and nasty road dog who's trying to elude and, and try to, you know, duck out of his way as humanly possible. Um, yeah, it, it kind of was interesting to see road dog meeting him off with a crotch chop. Of course, then they circle each other, occasionally going for a grapple without even actually landing a move. But eventually, we see road dog get cornered into the, well, the corner and boss man just going after him. We see road dog getting some little bit of a back, but then boss man tried to run and jump onto him, but of course was left with his caught, crotch caught on the ropes. Uh, boss man tried to keep using a night to actually try to go for the nightstick, but of course the referee stopped him and says that, you know, it ain't going to happen. And road dog dragged him to his feet and pulled him into the ring post legs wide open. After recovering, the boss man threw Road Dog outside of the ring. Uh, but back inside, Bossman looked to try to, you know, throw Road Dog into the turnbuckle and then crushing him with a bear hug. And even though Road Dog did get some offense back and forth, uh, Bossman dominated pretty much the rest of this match at this point, despite the lovely dance and sh I guess it's called the shake, rattle, and roll from Road Dog. But of course, of course, Bossman kept using it to catch him into the Bossman slam and get the one, two, three. Decent match. It's just a match that kind of is a little bit underplayed, but they did mention that both men would be returning for the Royal Rumble match later on, which I kind of like that idea. Like, you have these preliminary matches, which, I'll be honest with you, kind of a bit of a spoiler, I do enjoy a majority of these undercard matches for the Rumble itself. Um, you know, quick little fun one, but I really enjoyed this one, so I, I, I definitely give this one a recommend. Uh, but I love the storytelling more of the fact that Road Dog can't succeed without being in a hardcore match, which I just thought was 
rather odd, but that's either here or there. Anywho, next up, we've got Billy Gunn against Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental Championship, speaking of the IC title, and a very interesting storyline where basically, and I cannot believe I'm saying this out loud, Billy Gunn mooned Ken Shamrock's sister. You gotta love the attitude era, folks. I'm not kidding you. Uh, Billy Gunn mooned Ken Shamrock's sister, or at least that's all I got from the hype video going into this match. Now, Ken Shamrock is the current reigning defending Intercontinental Champion at this point, and this matchup, it wasn't horrible, but I kind of dug the boss man road dog one just a bit more, although there was certainly more striking, I guess you could say, in this matchup. Uh, we see Shamrock running a series of kicks right off the bat, but managed to, uh, uh, by Billy Gunn, but of course manages to get to his feet and punch Gunn right into the corner. He quickly slowed down Billy Gunn, trying to keep him mostly grounded with a bunch of kicks and elbow drops, um, trying to, you know, uh, picking up Gunn and then, of course, kicking him right back down. Both men went down after Shamrock Irish whipped him, so we have a double uh, clothesline, and then we see a, uh, <laughs> we see Ken Shamrock try to flapjack Billy Gunn, only to have his face driven to the mat with, of course, a beautiful famouser. Uh, although Gunn put Shamrock in the corner for a 10 punch, he then went into him and was thrown over the top out of the ring. Shamrock then took advantage of the time outside the ring to drag Billy Gunn around, throwing him face first into the ring post, steel steps and unpadded floor before pulling him right back into the ring. Again, Intercontinental title. Uh, the thing with this matchup was, I, I understand that Ken Shamrock was kind of, you know, getting revenge on Billy Gunn, but at the same time, it was just perplexing because you would think that they would have some sort of weird stipulation where if Shamrock was DQ'd, he'd lose the title. Realistically, if Shamrock wanted to, he could have just basically whipped out a weapon. He could have lost the match, still kicked Billy Gunn's butt, and retained the Intercontinental title. I just felt like they should have added a little bit something else to that. But anyway, when the two were on the apron, Gunn managed to stun Shamrock by elbowing him and jumping into a bulldog onto the Spanish announce table. I'm telling you, that Spanish announce table needs to be on the Hall of Fame. Taking some time to recuperate, Shamrock was, of course, not gonna, never backing down and never surrendering, fighting as soon as he returned to the ring and began to work on Gunn's ankle. Gunn then fought, but accidentally clotheslined the referee when we had a big, beautiful ref bump. Of course, then Val Venus runs in and delivers a DDT on Shamrock, which Val Venus, though you don't know, is dating, uh, or was dating Ken Shamrock's sister, storyline-wise. But of course, uh, by the time the referee gets back up to it, Shamrock kicks out of the three count. Gunn then gets some momentum, but eventually went for a move from the top turnbuckle. But of course, Shamrock then caught him with his ankle, took him to the ground, used the ankle lock, and make Billy Gunn submit. It was definitely a, a little bit more of a fun, thrilling matchup compared to Road Dog and Big Boss Man. And I think with the idea of Val Venus running in, there was some certainly excitement. Uh, but definitely more of a different feel to it, more brawling type. I mean, granted, we had that in, in Big Boss Man and, and Road Dog, uh, but still fun. Still a fun matchup, something I definitely check out. Uh, the European title was also on the line as X-Pac took on Gangrel. And man, I'm telling you, just watching this, I really miss Gangrel's entrance. And also, just as a side note here, this match really surprised me. So when you think X-Pac and Gangrel for the European Championship, you don't think, oh man, this is going to be a, you know, a pretty epic match. And while it wasn't necessarily a five-star classic... It's not something I would take away and take lightly either. It's definitely one I would really watch. And really, to me showcased how well Gangrel can be. Uh, again, one of the shorter matches, but still really fun. Um, we saw X-Pac kind of starting off with a bunch of different spin kicks. Then Gangrel did have some advantage throwing X-Pac into the ropes, but of course, Pac just didn't keep, uh, just kept on trucking. He even tried a Bronco Buster, but tried to go to the top rope, fighting Gangrel from it, and then going for a flying crossbody. Of course, uh, it looked like the referee, Teddy Long, holla, 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 was trying to make a three count, but I guess it was like a weird, it looked, basically it looked like 
it was a botch and it looked like it kicked out too late. Uh, but anyways, only a two count. Match continued, though, despite chants from the fans in attendance about that pinfall. Uh, but only for a short while until Xbox jumped and did a running um, and do sorry and drove a running Gangrel's head into the floor and hit the X, -pack the X Factor to get the pinning win here. Shorter match in comparison uh, compared to the other ones. I mean, we're looking at like a five-minute match compared to the 10 to 15 ones that we got before, but still fun. Uh, although the uh, the botch didn't necessarily help them, but still, it just kind of made me go like, wow, I forgot how good Gangrel actually was, so kudos to them on that one. And speaking of quick short matches, we also have the women's title on the line, and yes, it's a strap match, a match that's actually shorter than the European title, lasting less than five minutes. It's Sable against Luna. Now, despite Shane McMahon announcing Sable was unfit for the contest, she came to the ring and demanded to fight with, of course, Shane joining on commentary and Shane giving his biased idea. Now, the idea was that Sable was out during Sunday Night Heat earlier in the evening and was attacked by Luna uh, and, quote-unquote, injured her back. So it was a very, uh, <laughs> it was a battling back and forth. So basically, after whipping Vashon with the strap, Sable was knocked to the ground, allowing Vashon to, of course, tap two turnbuckles, but Sable stopped her using the strap to again to whip her. And after being kicked in the corner by Sable, Vashon side-slammed Sable and then wrapped the strap around Sable's neck, hoisting Sable on her back. Now, the idea with the strap match, it's very similar to like a Texas bull rope match that JBL and Eddie Guerrero had in uh, Great American Bash 04, where the idea is that you have to touch every single turnbuckle, which can be good or bad depending on who it is and how they play it out. But anyway... As Vashon has Sable on her back, she tore the turnbuckles, tapping three of them, but unaware that as she was turning her back, Sable was doing the same thing. So basically, each woman was tied. As we see her going for the fourth, Vashon was taken off her feet by Sable, and in a turn, uh, fearing a turn in the match, Shane jumped on the apron to distract the referee, but as Vashon went to tap the fourth turnbuckle, Tori, we didn't know it was Tori at the time, but she attacked and ran back, uh, attacked uh, Luna back and ran back into the crowd, letting Sable freely tap the fourth turnbuckle inside of the referee, thus retaining the women's title. It really wasn't anything too special. I mean, it was it was what it was. Uh, I did love the clever use of the, the referee being distracted, but then again, a strap match is no DQ, or at least I think it is, so just that part made it confusing. I did love the introduction of Tori to kind of give Sable the win here, because, I mean, let's face it, Luna's a freaking beast in this one, so it makes sense that she would need some sort of assistance, but, uh, just, but then again, seeing young Shane was still a fun part. Now, of course, comes the I Quit match for the WWF Championship. Now, this one has been famously talked about uh, and of course, the documentary Beyond the Mat, but this one is a brutal I Quit match. The idea, of course, is that Mankind and The Rock are going at it, Mankind winning the championship from The Rock previously, and basically Rock saying that he wanted to have all these different stipulations, but Mankind would still not grant him a title shot until he said, I quit. And finally, Mick says, you know what? I've been in all these brutal matches before, but never have I ever said the words I quit so we're gonna have ourselves an I quit match now I can't remember if this is the first I quit match that's happened I think the Brett uh, Austin one from Wrestlemania 13 was technically an I quit or a submission match I don't know but either way this one is known for its big brutality uh, specifically onto mankind so of course this one has everything as far as you would suspect from like a hardcore false count anywhere type of match so we see um mankind closing and punching the rock to kick things off in the turnbuckle before putting him on the ground and punching him trying to make him quit early on with no success because why would he quit so early but then again it's the heel so i get that makes sense rock insulted mankind over the microphone mankind struck him with the microphone and then of course uh mick foley clotheslined him out of the ring after punching rock against the barricade he was thrown over the steel steps 
but managed to come back and control and The Rock joined on the commentary team to further mock Mankind and was clotheslined over the table, which was just absolutely fun. I really miss like old heel 90s Rock. It's just really funny. After hitting him again with a microphone, he would not quit. Rock was thrown inside the ring again. Mankind stuffed a smelly sock down Rock's throat to the point where Rock could not talk to quit as The Rock had passed out from the mandible claw, which I thought was a pretty stroke of genius that he passed out so he couldn't say anything. Mankind then took Rock out of the ring and through the crowd, but he tried to clothesline Rock. Rock slammed him back into the ringside barricade. Rock then took the bell to Mankind's head, ringing it next to his ear, and humorously singing bells when it will be ringing into the microphone. I mean, that's, again, I miss heel 90s classic Rock. Before hitting, trying to do a Rock bottom through the Spanish announce table, but of course the table gave way before the move could be finished off. Mankind ran for recovery up the walkway, but was chased by the Great One who lost control when his opponent actually began headbutting him, which was kind of shaped of a little bit of the empty arena match. Rock then thumbed Mankind's eye and took him through the technical area, smashing his head into the food there, and then performing a DDT onto concrete, but Mankind still not looking to quit. Rock then brought a ladder down into the match, because why not, and was knocked down with the ladder on top of him, and he escaped just as Mankind delivered a running elbow onto the ladder, though still no signs of quitting. Rock then set up the ladder and climbed up to the first tier of the crowd, fighting in front of them with Mankind just about to throw him off. Off. And then Rock low blowed him though, and then climbed over the barrier up the stairs, making a running punch where uh, it launched Mankind into the electrical hub of the arena, causing like sparks and lights to go out. Which I, I do miss those effects very much. Shane then even came to stop the match, but Rock demanded that his that Mankind's got to quit, though he would not ask him the question, and he kicked and crawling Mankind back towards the ring. Mankind's laying unconscious in the ring. Rock then pings out a pair of handcuffs, and this is where things get pretty nasty. He handcuffs Mankind's hands behind his back and hits his head into the turnbuckle, then does a, you know, um... Uh, Mankind kicked the rock low in the nether regions, dropped a knee onto his crotch and asked him if he quit. Rock then managed to stand up, clotheslines Mankind to the mat, and then putting a chair on his uh, on his face, performing a corporate elbow, which is essentially a people's elbow. But when he asked if he would quit Mankind Rock to go to hell, Rock then told him he'd go to hell first. And this is where the brutal part happens. Now, again, I need to stress the importance of this. Mankind's hands are behind his back. And granted, this is the 90s. It's the uh, height of the Attitude Era. And chair shots to the head are not really anything that's not uncommon. But at least there was at least some minor, minuscule form of protection of the head here. There was no way in any way, shape, or form at this point that Mankind could not protect his head. His hands were tied behind his back. He was taking those head shots as hard as possible. And that's exactly what happened. He constantly get getting hit chair in the face again, 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 and still refusing to quit, saying he'd have to be killed first. Rock then chased Mankind out of the ring up the walkway, hitting him repeatedly with the chair until he finally fell unconscious in the concrete. Finally, Rock put the microphone up to Mankind's mouth and you hear Mankind shout the words, I quit three times in a row. But interestingly enough, and this is the part that I got to stress, Rock was declared the winner, thus he's the new WWF champion. However, it was noted after the fact that basically, and in a clever way, I have to admit, that actually Mick was unconscious. It wasn't a storyline. He was legit knocked out cold from the chair shots. And so actually what was played was an audio clip of Mankind from the promo saying the word, I quit, which... You could take in one of two ways. From a storyline perspective, it's a genius move because it's a great way for The Rock to get a win over Mankind in a cheating, sneaking, disaster way. It's a genius way to get heat. I love that little loophole. I think it's brilliant. On the other hand, in real life, 
They needed to do that to save mankind's life because otherwise it would have just kept on going. I mean, what else could they do? He was literally lifeless in the middle of like the entryway. There was nothing else they could do for him. It was just absurd. So, and if you haven't seen the backstage footage about this match and just how brutalizing it can be and really scary how it was for them and, and even seeing like Vince's reaction to everything. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out because it is something to behold to see just the length and extents that mankind Mick Foley uh, was going through for that type of action. It was just absolutely insane. But let's talk about the Rumble match itself. So we have ourselves a new WWF champion and the corporate champion, the people's champion, The Rock. Well, he's still a corporate champion, I guess. But now we've got ourselves the Rumble match. So, of course, the match begins with Austin McMahon circling around each other. McMahon miss, uh, mistimes a clothesline, and Austin punched him into the corner, stopping a mud hole in him dry. And then, of course, Austin went to throw McMahon over the top rope, but stopped, wanting to take his time as Golga made his way to the ring at number three. With Austin distracted, McMahon fled under the top, uh, sorry, under the bottom rope, and of course that means he was not eliminated. But Austin soon followed as soon as he got rid of Gogolga and got him eliminated. Austin then followed McMahon through the crowd and eventually fought their way to the halls of the arena, which was led into the public toilets, where of course the corporation were there to wait to beat Austin down and leave him unconscious on the floor. So for the most part, we do see this kind of like sprinkled throughout more of the match. But I have to say, this was a genius move. You have a great way to have Austin McMahon continue their rivalry again using. The loophole that they're not eliminated until they're thrown over the top rope but the fact that you continue things outside makes it wide open for you to do so many other things or at least stall them so you can bring them back in later on which is spoiler alert exactly what they do but in any case we see Austin get taken out by the corporation outside and McMahon seemingly unknowns to be known where he is anyway back in the ring draws had come out and it was waiting a long time until Edge makes his appearance only too quickly coming in to eliminate Gilbert as soon as he gets in the ring then Dan Severin the man's man himself enters the ring and he immediately gunned for the also freshman Steve Blackman the two fighting in the corner until Tiger Ali Singh came in and attacked Blackman and I gotta tell you seeing Dan Severin and Steve Blackman if you guys like hard-hitting action that is the match i need to see and if it has happened please let me know i'd like to know meanwhile we see clips shown of austin being lifted into a gurney and actually being taken to a hospital or <clears throat> sorry nearby medical facility shortly after the blue meanie enters the match and went after Singh, but uh, before being cornered by draws and then we see the 11th man scheduled to enter but nobody showed and we see backstage mabel was shown throwing hangbanger mosh into the wall before entering the rumble himself in mosh's place shortly after entering um, the match we see Mabel taking out uh, took out Blackman, Severin, Singh, Meanie, and Draws, and started going after Road Dog, who at this point uh, was just fresh and took Edge out, having of course the upper hand. But after having some dominance, the lights went out and they came back un up under a blue hue. The acolytes and Midian had eliminated Mabel and took him to meet the Undertaker, who put him into a trance. Gotta love wrestling sometimes. None of them were competitors, by the way. They just decided to take Mabel away. So anywho, Road Dog was left on his own and quickly eliminated Gangrel, but have more difficulty with Kurgan. Al Snow tried to help Road Dog when he was overzealously climbed uh, the ropes to push Kurgan out, but Road Dog jumped on the opportunity and pushed him right over. The ring gradually began to fill up with Goldust and Godfather until Kane came in, instantly putting all four wrestlers over the top rope and then eliminating himself when Asylum Workers came and tried to commit him. <sighs> Gotta love wrestling in the 90s, I swear. Mr. McMahon then briefly returned to the ring, but then exited the ring to Ken Shamrock, opting to instead join the commentary team. I gotta say, again, I miss some things of tropes of the 90s. I really do. Anyway, next up was Billy Gunn with only one shoe due to his ankle being injured from, of course, the earlier matchup with Ken Shamrock. And Test enters. The Ministry were shown up in the parking lot, putting Mabel into a hearse. And then an ambulance pulled up. 
coincidentally, with Steve Austin driving it. How is it a guy who actually ends up being admitted into the ambulance as an injured person ultimately ends up driving the thing? I really want to know who's like, now nah, you're good. You can take the keys to this thing. That, that's fine. I mean, it's stone cold, but still. Anyway, he quickly made his way to the ring, overshadowing the entrance of the big boss man. McMahon ran around the ring away from Austin, running it, you know, running through it to allow Shamrock to secure him before fleeing again to the commentary team. Austin gets back in the ring and eliminates Shermock with little to no trouble, but does put more effort into Bossman choking him with a turnbuckle tie. Again, ring starting to fill up with two members of DX, both Triple H and X-Pac, uh, coming in. Test and Bossman representing the corporation, along with other wrestlers Val Venus, Mark Henry, Jeff Jarrett, D'Lo Brown, and Owen Hart. Austin took a break from being in the ring to go to the commentary team and throw a jug of water at McMahon's face before going right into the match. You got to stay hydrated, kids. It's a thing. At this point, we finally see the first woman enter the Royal Rumble history, China, coming in at the last entrant at number 30. She instantly targets Mark Henry, delivering forearms before throwing him over the top rope, an impressive feat in and of itself. But before she had time to celebrate, Austin immediately clotheslined her and over the top rope, for which Triple H, being the boyfriend of the time, attacked him. And in addition, this latter took out both Val and Jarrett out cold. Triple H was soon then eliminated by Austin as the number started to dwindle after Austin throws D'Lo and Owen Hart over the top rope. After giving a Stone Cold stunner to Bossman, Austin then eliminated him, leaving once again only Stone Cold and Vince McMahon left in the match. Austin, of course, goes down to the announce table to attack Vince, throwing him into the crowd and then back into ringside, hitting him with a chair, because at this point it's a freaking craziest rumble ever. Austin then throws McMahon back in the ring, standing over him as McMahon clamored to his feet to low blow Austin. The two then staggered to their feet when Austin stunned McMahon, and of course, the, the greatest champion, the, the newly crowned WWE of champion The Rock comes to ring tied, tossing Austin with the title, climbing up the apron as Austin ran to punch Rock. This, of course, gave Vince the perfect opportunity to climb to his feet, come up behind Austin, and throwing him over the top rope, thus becoming the winner of the 99 Royal Rumble match itself. Holy cow. There's a lot to take in here. <laughs> this matchup, there is a lot to take in. I mean, the, the Austin-Vince dynamic alone is entertaining in its own right. And you can see, you know, for those of you who don't understand, like, the importance or the significance of why Austin and Vince were so good and why they were so popular, this is a clear-cut example. It's not just the 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 deliverance of everything, Vince being a great he of heel, Austin being an amazing babyface, but going back and listening to the crowd reaction, even for something they were doing so simply. I love the obvious setup going into WrestleMania, which of course is going to be WrestleMania 15 where we see Rock and Austin. As we see the next night on Raw, McMahon is going to actually give Rock the $100,000 bounty for helping him eliminate Austin and also forfeiting his title shot at WrestleMania, which is the first time that's ever happened in Royal Rumble history, thus again continuing that whole idea. I think that the other parts of the Rumble were just very bizarre, specifically Mabel being eliminated by, well... <laughs> the, the 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 evil ministry there. I mean, it was just kind of funny how the acolytes and Midian just just come out and just put him into a trance and then into a hearse he goes. So that happened, and then Kane gets eliminated by asylum workers. Like it, it's just it, it it's man, I miss the attitude there. Some signs. <laughs> You know, coming off of this, of course, we're heading into WrestleMania season, as I mentioned before. Uh, we do know that Mankind also gets involved a little bit more with the championship and with The Rock, including getting a last man standing match booked at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And then, of course, meanwhile, we see Viscera being the newest member of the Ministry of Darkness. Uh, with, of course, making the Brood part of the stable not too long after this. And we see the, basically the continuation of the corporation versus the ministry, which will ultimately boil over at Undertaker versus Bossman at Mania later on in the year. 
Uh, of course, we see China turn vil uh, becomes villainous by betraying Triple H, becomes newest member of the corporation. Uh, not too long after this, and the evil China teaming with fellow corporation members Kane and beating Triple H and X Pac. Uh, and then, of course, as far as the women's side, we see Mabel. Meanwhile, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me, <laughs> Sable, not Mabel. Sable. Uh, we find out Tori was the one who interfered, who would be humiliating her, pretending to align herself with Luna only to help Sable uh, get her beat down. Tori soon realized how selfish Sable was, though. Although the two had a match for the women's title at Mania. 15 where Sable retained her title thanks to some interference from Nicole Bass. Honestly, going back and kind of not really remembering too much about this Rumble was a bit of a, a fun little adventure for me. I don't remember much about this Rumble aside from the Vince and Austin stuff, but going back, uh, I do think that it was... Uh, it was a fun treat. And honestly, the big thing for me was definitely the undercard. While the women's matchup wasn't anything really you know, crazy, I think it was just the right amount of time considering who was involved with the match with Sable and Luna. X-Pac and Gangrel, Shamrock and Billy Gunn, Big Mas Boss Man and Road Dog were pretty solid undercard matches to help get us into the spirit of things. The I Quit match was just brutal between Rock and Mankind, and I think the storytelling of Mankind was, was very well done. And the Rumble was just the Rumble. It was insane crazy that we haven't really seen that type of craziness in a rumble in recent history i mean you know we have kofi doing the crazy ways to not keep himself eliminated which i kind of enjoy but there were some creative weird things that happened in the rumble that just i don't know were bizarre but also slightly charming at the same time but that's just my opinion guys i want to hear what you guys thought of the royal rumble 1999 if i had to pick my favorite match i'm going to go with the i quit um it's easy to pick the rumble but obviously the i quit match just had so much emotion and just Ah, the brutality of it all was just insane, with the women's match kind of being my least favorite. But then again, it's not horrible. It just kind of, well, compared to the others, you get the idea. If I were to rate this pay-per-view out of 10, I would definitely rank it a solid 8, despite the fact that the women's matchup, maybe even 8.5, despite the fact that the women's matchup was probably the slowest part or the... Uh, least interesting part of the pay-per-view. It didn't take away from my excitement of the show. So I definitely recommend checking it out. Give it an 8.5 out of 10. Why not? Uh, but of course, that's just my opinion, guys. Let me hear your thoughts on this. Hit me up in the comments section. Make sure you follow me on all the social media and make sure you also check us out on all the major podcasting platforms. I appreciate continued love and support. Take care. And as always, take it easy.